Come on. Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, the strong and powerful John Berger. John, are you ready to do this? I am so ready to do this. Excellent. Let's do this. John is a wealth coach and certified financial planner who's been on a mission the past 10 years to develop a model to deliver real financial planning into the hands of everyday people. He has written for Yahoo, Ticker, NerdWallet, The Bay News, and the Journal of Financial Planning. He is a frequent guest on radio and podcasts and was included on the first ever Investopedia 100 list of influential financial advisors. I'm excited to have you on. John, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why it is you do what you do. I'm probably the very oldest Gen Y person trapped baby boomer body (laughs) that's out there. Uh, Born and raised in California, I did go back east to college at Middlebury College in Vermont, but uh, found my way back to California pretty darn quick. (laughs) I spent uh, 12 years working in radio broadcasting because that's what I thought I wanted to do out of college. Then I realized I couldn't make any money at it, couldn't support a family with it. So I had to find something else, transcended into uh, being an entrepreneur and business owner, did that for several years. That evolved into business coaching, which eventually evolved into financial planning for business owners and entrepreneurs. And then, as I said, the last 10 years or so has really been on this mission to how do we get financial planning, which is a wonderfully powerful tool, being strategic and intentional with your money and making wise choices that are well-informed. How do we do that and get it into the hands of everyday people rather than the top 3% who are the only ones right now who can afford you know, financial planning fee of $2,500, $5,000 or whatever traditional financial planners charge? If you were to to lay out the case and the value to people that maybe never thought. Well, for, for somebody who says, you know, I, I'm not in a position to, to have a financial planner, what, what would you say to them? The first thing I would say, and it kind of leads to, you know, where, we're, uh, where I think people should be paying their attention, you know, the, the number one way to build wealth is not through an investment portfolio. You actually have to have positive cash flow to have an investment portfolio, right? So the number one way to build wealth is through cash flow, cash flow management understanding that you're going to save more than you spend, right, or spend less than you earn. And that proposition alone is, well, how do you do that? And my answer is, you pay me 600 to $1,200, but let's just say it's the even the high end of that, $1,200 in a year. And through our systems and processes, we help you find four or $5,000 of cash flow that is literally leaking out of your wallet to pay for crap that doesn't matter to you. That's how, that's where the value is. But the hard part is people just really believing that that could actually happen. But my, in my uh, case and my experience, it happens almost every time we start paying attention. And is that just because people are not keeping a close enough eye on their spending or they're spending money on the wrong things? It's a combination it's a it's a combination. So understand that when you're spending money, it's a it's a habit. You're you're doing it habitually and emotionally. A part of the brain, I call it the she brain, although I'm not really trying to be sexist about it. But it's the subconscious, habitual, emotional brain is the one that drives the vast majority. Like 95% of your financial decisions are made without you thinking about them, and it's all built on those habits that 
you've had for years. So that brain is really driven by um, short-term payoffs, mostly dopamine, uh, chemical, not even, it's just, you buy a shiny new thing, it feels really good to anticipate getting the shiny new thing. And then once you've got it, you kind of, your brain moves on to the next thing. I'm sure every one of us has gone through the experience of you buy something, you may even spend a few hundred dollars on it, you bring it home, maybe it goes into the closet or whatever, and you look at it six months later going, what was I thinking when I bought this? I'm never going to use it. And then you give it away, right? And that's just a few hundred bucks that just leaked out of your wallet. That was the subconscious, habitual, emotional brain running on steroids and having a great time with your wallet. That's the first part of it. So now we've got that. And then if you're actually paying attention to it, you can retrain the brain. So then instead of chasing the shiny new dopamine rush filled object, it actually is trying to buy things that are of value to you. Um, and there's a trick to that. And I think that that trick gets lost in the realm of all of the tools that have been put out there so far. Everybody talks about budgets. I hate budgets. Budget is a six-letter long, four-letter word. Nobody likes them. They're about pain, sacrifice, and self-discipline. So you start following a budget, and what happens a day or two or seven or ten days later, your subconscious, habitual, emotional brain hijacks the whole process, and the budget gets blown. And that's it. We're done. We're not going back there again, right? Because that brain doesn't like you telling you, telling it, you can't buy this because it's not in the budget. So we need to find a different way of looking at those expending and paying attention to spending, but have it be a positive and not a negative. Yeah, my brain does not like to be told what to do if it's used to doing something that it likes to do. So I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, so there was a lot of really valuable stuff right there, talking about the importance of, the, well, actually rather the danger of bad habits, the importance of good habits and sort of reprogramming or reprogramming or rewiring our brains. Right. So easier said than done. How do we get started? I think the simplest, uh, best free advice I have for anybody is, is to try out this exercise, but do it regularly, consistently. And if you can actually figure out a way to do it for 60 days, so you cement the habit, you're going to find your world is very different from a spending standpoint than it was when you started the process. And that is every day, Look at where you spent your money yesterday. Don't look at where you spent your money five minutes ago because that gets way back into the, um, you know, the pain, sacrifice, self-discipline, can't do it, so on and so forth. Just look where you spent your money yesterday. We've got great tools that are out there. Mint.com is one. I mean, most most uh, financial, personal finance management tools have an ability to aggregate the data, your spending data, and look at it the next day. So look at those. Every transaction where you spent money yesterday. And there's going to be like five to seven probably per day. So this shouldn't take more than two minutes. On each transaction, look at it and say, okay, so I spent $22 yesterday going to specialties for a sandwich and coffee. Um, how much value did I get for that on a scale of one to five? One being it was a meh. It's like, so that was, yeah, okay. And five being, that was so awesome, I would do that every time if I was given the opportunity. And that's it. Score it, one to five. Three is kind of in the middle, right? So, And what you're going to find by that exercise, and then you're done. You've scored it, you move on to the next transaction. And you go through the five or six, and what you're doing is you're actually reprogramming the subconscious brain to seek fours and fives and to stop 
spending money on ones and twos because yeah, it felt good. But the day after the subconscious brain doesn't even remember the dopamine fix. It just is like, Oh, okay, we get it. You really want to go after this, which is a really awesome thing. You do that every day for a minimum of 30 days and preferably 60 days. And I promise you, you will find five, seven, 10% of cash flow that you do, you just stop spending on stuff that doesn't matter. Well, that would certainly be a, a significant amount of money for anybody if you're able to do that. So, sure. Yeah, you make 60000 a year, that's 5000 a month, and you find 5% of that, you know, you do, do the math pretty fast, it, it, it's 250 bucks a month that you just found. That's $3,000 a year. And then, as you've talked with other guests, you start compounding that, you start saving that. And it adds up to real money actually really fast. Oh, it's incredibly significant. That's an IRA contribution for for a lot of folks. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. I I love the idea of, or the advice of how important it is to to sleep on it instead of doing the exercise the same day is look back to yesterday and, you know, sleeping on anything is before you fire off that email to your boss that you because you're pissed, sleep on it. You know, it's yeah. it's probably it's probably really good advice, no matter what. You got to get the motions out of out of the play yeah. as much as you can, but you want to make it relatively recent because if it's too far along, then the subconscious brain isn't going to remember what it is you're trying to train it. It's not going to remember what it was thinking or how it was feeling when it was presented with the opportunity. And it, it, it's a sweet spot there. And what we have found in the research that I've done is somewhere around 24 hours to 72 hours. If you go more than three days, you might as well just not bother with the exercise because it's just not going to do you a whole lot of good. Got it. And what do you, okay. And that, that I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Do you counsel people to do it at the same time of day? Is it maybe morning? Is it the afternoon after work? Well, so all the aggregating systems and the, you know, like, the mint.coms of the world, they, they all do their screen scrapes um, in the middle of the night. I find it really great to do it as your morning exercise. Before you open your email, which is going to be a much bigger time suck than this is, You know, start your day off, and if you have a partner, start your day off together doing this and just sitting down for two to three minutes and just go, all right, we spent money here. What was it? One to five. Well, that was a three. Well, and we spent your money there. How did you feel about that? Well, that was a four. All right, one... And you can even have a conversation between the two of you about, well, why was that a four? That's interesting. So I never knew that that was something that was really of value to you. And it helps couples have better conversations about money. But you can do it all in a couple of minutes over a cup of coffee or over the dining table. And you do it before your day wears wears you down. And I I think that that's the best time is because it's easy to parse out the time and just get it done. That seems like a really very reasonable thing to me. I saw that one of or you're really working to accomplish three things um to make financial planning simple fun and affordable and i'll let you or i would love it if you would elaborate a little bit but you sort of at least from my perspective answered the fun part when you're sitting down and kind of going through it with your significant other and saying okay you know what i I thought that that latte was going to be a five but it turns out it was really only a three kind of thing or, or, or however it might be but or the other way around. Yeah, either way. Right. And and that is it. But it is fun because it's not it's not couched in pain, sacrifice and self-discipline. You have to understand I've been married for for uh, almost 28 years and my wife and I have had a lot of 
bad money habits. Admittedly, I did too, and really didn't start discovering what those habits were and how to get through them until she and I were going through very similar exercises, and that was really only seven or eight years ago. So this is relatively newfound for me relative to the length of our marriage. Um, and in that process, what we found out was that our relationship grew stronger through the conversation because we stopped beating each other up over our own personal money habits. We started valuing each other's values even more and communicating in a way that had no pain, sacrifice, no discipline associated with it. It's much more positive. So that is, in my mind, fun. You know, when you can look at money in a constructive, positive man manner, I think it helps people feel more confident about the decisions that they have to make going forward. And then as far as the simple part, I understand financial planning is extremely complicated. There are a lot of moving parts. As a financial planner, a certified financial planner, you know, uh, our study process and what we know and understand, uh, most people really can't handle that level of complexity. It's a huge amount of disparate information that we have to distill. But what we find is clients that, where we have traction are the ones where we simplify it down to one concept or one thing at a time. And when we do that and we just keep this whole process, keep the complexity away so you can focus on the one thing that's most important and just knock that one out. It just makes it so much easier. Otherwise, we all get overwhelmed. Deer in the headlights, uh, bury your head in the sand. It's just too complicated. I'll never get my hands on it. And then uh, that's when suboptimal decision making starts to take over. So that's why the whole idea was simple, fun, and obviously affordable because if it's too expensive, no one's going to do it. And, and then great financial planning just gets lost because people aren't engaging in great financial planning. They're doing something more fun. Right. <laughs> okay. That, that's so much good stuff. And you and I both know that oftentimes money is the cause of so much stress and, and trauma and of, of potentially eventually the demise of so many different relationships. So if you can get past money being a source of pain, sacrifice um, to a more positive thing, um, then I think that all relationships will certainly get, get stronger. So, Right. You're, I say you're either in a death spiral with money or you're in a positive spiral. And it's really hard to get the positive spiral. I mean, or uh, people are going out or <clears throat> getting strapped with way too much debt. Um, we're, we're constantly being encouraged to spend money we don't have, uh, thanks to a consumer society and a lot of flashy advertisements on television and everywhere else. Right. So and your brain is really wired to uh, not do well with money. It's an abstract. So. Uh, the subconscious brain doesn't understand that either. And how do you get control over all of that? I think you, you just have to sit back and do it one step at a time and, and try and keep the whole relationship as positive as possible. So you have a stronger relationship with each other, a more positive relationship with your money. And out of that comes a very positive spiral because, it, you know, good decisions breed confidence, which breeds better decisions. Bad decisions breeds stress, which creates far less optimal decision-making. Yes, indeed. Excellent stuff. Well, John, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? The difference-making tip is pay attention and stay positive about it. So if you follow the, the 
the suggestion that I made earlier. You know, every day, just pay attention to where you spent your money yesterday and value that on a scale of one to five and not be afraid of what's going on with your money, but positively look at it. How can I do better? You will find you have a much different result of two, three months from now than you're having right now. I think that is great stuff and that definitely gets a come on. Come on. So thank you so much for that, John. I think that that's, I think that that is the very definition of, of simple advice, but so incredibly valuable. You need to, you need to pay attention. You need to stay positive. Otherwise, you're probably not going to get a great result. So thank you for that. Well, John, th- thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? The best place to learn about me is uh, through uh, my company's website. That's Altus Wealth. Uh, that's a, a Latin word, Altus, A-L-T-U-S, wealth.com. Um, there are some resources there. I also have a pretty decent uh, social media footprint, uh, J.D. Berger, but you have to learn how to spell it. So it's best to start at Altus Wealth and, and go forward from there. <laughs> and hopefully I'll catch up to all of you somewhere in the realm of social media or something like that. Love to hear your stories. If something's working for you, please share them with me. We are, we're still trying to build the case for, hey, you know, this doesn't have to be really difficult. So let me know how it works for you. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show John your appreciation and check out his website and also share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Thank you again, John. You're very welcome. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.